right, well, it's that time of year where we're going to recognize some of our high school uh, graduates uh, who have worked many, many years to accomplish this feat. So uh, uh, we're going to uh, announce our graduates and ask them to come forward. We're going to give you some information about where they graduated from and what their future plans are, and, uh, and Jared will present them with a, a Bible from Mount Calvary Church. So first is Kathleen Allen. She graduated from Mount Calvary Christian School, and she'll be uh, attending Pensacola Christian uh, University and study English as second language. And she's in Colorado, so she won't be getting her Bible today. Uh, but uh, Caitlin Gibbs is our next graduate. She graduated from Lower Dolphin High School. And uh, you can come down, Caitlin, so don't be shy. Uh, she will be attending Karen University to major in elementary education with the goal of teaching overseas. So congratulations, Caitlin. So. Our next graduate is Connor Grogan, and he is uh, going to be attending Karen University as well, and he will be majoring in physical education. And he, had, he graduated from Mount Calvary Christian School. Our next graduate is Austin Hilscher. He is a graduate of Elizabethtown Area High School, and he will be attending Liberty University to major in business and marketing. Congratulations, Austin. So. Our next graduate is an international student who is living with the Shears, Dewi Hong, and he graduated from Mount Calvary Christian School, and he'll be attending Massachusetts College of Pharmacy and Health Sciences. Uh, our next graduate is Ronnie Master. She graduated from Mount Calvary Christian School, and she will be attending uh, Palm Beach Atlantic University to major in dance pedagogy. And if you don't know what that is, you can ask her. Uh, uh, I just worked on trying to pronounce that correctly. So our next graduate is Sarah Ann Shambaugh. She graduated from Mount Calvary Christian School, and she'll be attending Harrisburg Area Community College to, to become a dental hygienist. So congratulations, Sarah. Uh, our next graduate is Ed Thomas, Jr. He graduated from Warren County High School in Georgia, and he is going to the University of Northern Georgia in the ROTC program, and he's going to major in Chinese. And, and so, uh, and the next graduate we have is Ka Wolf, and uh, he is a graduate of Mount Calvary Christian School. I noticed that all of our graduates try to sit farthest back as possible. So we can just watch them as they walk down the, walk down the aisle. Uh, he will be attending Karen University. I think we can take a bus there since all of all these people are going there. And he will graduate uh, and he will be majoring in business. So uh, uh, big congratulations to our high school graduates. Be keeping them in your prayers as, uh, as they make this next transition and next step in their life. And, uh, and we're just going to, to have a word of prayer as we uh, continue in our worship in receiving the offering this morning. So I ask you to bow your heads and pray with me. Father, we are so thankful for uh, the beautiful sunshine that you have given us this morning. Lord, we're, we're thankful that, uh, um, that we can be here and worship you. And Lord, I pray that as we have uh, lots of things probably rolling around in our hearts and our minds this morning of... Uh, that's going on in our lives, I pray that you just help us to pause this morning and just focus on you. 
Lord, we're thankful that, uh, that we can worship you this morning. We can lift our voices and sing praises to your name, that we can uh, give back to you what you have generously given to us to be used to, to spread your, your word across the world and across this community. And we're thankful for the opportunity we have to, to have your word, to, to open it up this morning and learn to be more like you. Uh, Jesus, I pray that, um, uh, that even as we are here this morning, that you'd be uh, working in some of the situations of people in our, in our church. Lord, we pray for the Hesses, and we pray for little James as, as he was born on Friday with uh, the cord wrapped around his neck three times, and, and things were a little scary at first, and he's still in the NICU, and, and, but all the tests are coming back good, and, and, and things seem to be going well there. And we just pray that, uh, that the, the tests would continue to come back, and they would be positive, and that uh, he would be able to go home from the hospital very, very soon. Lord, we pray for Barry Flores. He'll go in tomorrow for a heart cath and just pray that you'd be with him and and draw close to him and mary and just encourage them and in this time and and lord we just pray you be with pastor dick as he is away uh, teaching for awana this weekend and pray that you give him safety as he travels back today for our service tonight and and lord we we just thank you for your love we thank you for uh, the opportunity that we have just to to worship you and i pray that everything we do and say might bring you honor and glory today in jesus name amen before we open up uh, God's Word, just a few other things, just again to kind of remind you of things coming up. Again, as Jared said uh, this morning in the announcements, uh, coming up here in two Sunday nights is our Invest and Invite Night. And so I encourage you to be thinking as we're living pi-squared lives, praying, investing, and inviting others, uh, uh, that pray for opportunities to, to invite some people to your house, some neighbors, some people who you're trying to build relationships with, who you're not sure if they have a relationship with Jesus. And so I encourage you to take, take advantage of that, that first night, uh, which is June 22nd. And so uh, be thinking and be trying to build those relationships and paving the way to invite them uh, over to your house. So I keep that in mind and, and encourage you to, to make use of that time, uh, that Sunday night. Also coming up in July, uh, July 13th, that Sunday night, we are going to have another baptismal service at the Rutz House. And uh, this is our, our annual summer baptism outside. It's a great time for our church family to gather around the pool and celebrate those who are are, are, are following the Lord and believers' baptism. And last week, we got to celebrate with four people who, uh, who we saw get baptized last week. And, and for those of you who maybe haven't followed the Lord and believers' baptism, or maybe you have some kids that, uh, uh, that you're talking with, some of your kids that you're talking with, and, and, and maybe you can encourage them if they're ready that uh, July 13th, we're going to have a baptismal service. And if you're interested in being baptized, please uh, see me or Pastor Dick, and, and we'd be happy to, to get you all set up for that night. But it's a great, great opportunity just to, to come around the pool and watch others follow the Lord's example and be baptized and then fellowship around the pool and, and watch all the kids jump in the pool afterwards and, and then practice baptizing each other. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's a fun night. It's a fun night. So, uh, um, but if you have your Bibles, uh, you can turn to Genesis 1 and 2. We're going to be in a lot of different places today, but, uh, but we're kind of focusing on, on, the, on Genesis 1 and 2. And, and as you do that, you know, since the earliest days of astronomy, since the time of Galileo, astronomers have shared a single goal, to see more, to see farther, and to see deeper into space. 
And you could probably remember as a little kid on a really clear night where the stars are shining brightly, just kind of standing out in the backyard and staring up into the heavens and just being amazed at all those lights shining back at you. Well, in 1990, the space shuttle Discovery transported the Hubble Space Telescope into the Earth's orbit. And, and here's a picture of that telescope. It's still in orbit today. And, and, and since 1990, this telescope has been transmitting 120 gigabytes of scientific data to Earth every week for 24 years. And if you go to hubblesite.org, you can catch a glimpse of the, the telescope's beautiful pictures from outer space. And, and, uh, and they're just some amazing, amazing pictures. And then this week, NASA released a new image, and it's this image right here. It's a false color image of shots taken during the course of 841 orbits of the Hubble telescope around Earth from 2003 to 2012. And what this picture shows, it shows roughly 10,000 galaxies in all shapes and sizes. 10,000 galaxies. It's the most colorful deep space image of the universe ever captured by this 24-year-old telescope. So as you look at that picture, you're looking at 10,000 galaxies. That's pretty amazing. And as I look at that picture of the universe, I'm reminded that we are not a product of chance. There's no way that we're a product of chance, that we are the handiwork of an amazing God who created this universe we call home. And last week, Pastor Dick began our series, Seeing Our Savior, Observing Jesus in the Old Testament. And he, he started our focus on Genesis 1 and 2 looking at the creation account. And, you know, we often look to Genesis 1 and 2 for the specifics of creation. And the specifics of creation are important. We believe here at Mount Calvary Church that God created the universe, this world, everything in six 24-hour days. We believe that. But you know what? So often when we look at Genesis 1 and 2 for the specifics of creation, I think we might miss Jesus in the creation account. We might miss, you know, what he is doing, and we might even miss how creation and redemption is connected. Last week, Pastor Dick began the process of uncovering the redemptive themes in this creation account, and, and, and he talked about the, the arrangement of redemption, that there was a plan of redemption even before creation. That God had a plan for redemption before he created the universe. And he mentioned the arena of redemption, which is our created world. And he also talked about the accessories of redemption, the materials and the animals that are found on the earth and how they're used to help communicate the redemptive theme throughout Scripture. How God uses animals and, 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 and the earth around us to, to illustrate redemption throughout Scripture. And this morning we're going to complete the last two-thirds of Pastor Dick's message. It was really nice of him to preach a third last week and then leave me with two-thirds uh, so I appreciate that. Uh, but uh, we're going we're gonna to look at the last two-thirds of, of, of this message and really seeing Jesus in creation. And, 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 and a resource that really helped us both is this book called 
Jesus on Every Page by David Murray. And in it is the chapter that he talks about seeing redemption in creation. And it is a, it's, it's a very worthwhile book just to read that chapter because a lot of what we've shared these last two weeks come directly from this. And, and David really helped open our eyes to see how redemption and creation is tied together. And, and, and so this morning, uh, we're going to look at just, again, seeing Jesus in creation And we're going to start talking about the assistance in redemption. The assistance in redemption. And uh, I don't know about you, but I can remember back in 1996 when GM uh, came out with this big announcement of OnStar technology. Do you remember that? Some of you, some of you weren't born, but uh, OnStar technology. And, and, you know, it, was, it was, came out in 1996, and the 97 Cadillacs had this little blue button, OnStar. And, and really what it was, it was, it was kind of a, a program that, uh, that helps you for, you know, an emergency you could call in for help. It, it helped in for navigation. It helped for car security. It was kind of like a high-tech AAA. Now, I have a AAA card in my back pocket. That's my OnStar. Uh, but uh, uh, I've never had a car with that little button that you could push. But it was... It, you know, it was kind of like a high-tech AAA that's there to assist you at the touch of that little blue button, and it even speaks to you. That's pretty cool. And, um, and you know, and OnStar has developed, and now it, you know, it not only does it, it, does it do security, but if your car is stolen, it can slow down your car, and, and it can track where your car is and, and, and have a, the authorities help you find it. And so it's, it's a pretty amazing thing. And, and, you know, OnStar quickly became the assistant in transportation, it was hands-free. It was before the days, and, and all of our, our teenagers are like, you know, it's before the days of cell phone and GPS. Can you imagine what life was like in those days? Uh, but OnStar was kind of the cutting-edge thing, and now we have GPS and, and everything on our phone, and we don't, we don't need it, so to speak. But, uh, but it was the assistant in transportation. Well, you know, there's, this, there's assistance in redemption, and it's the angels. And God created, Jesus created the angels, they were supernatural beings that were messengers of God. And, and as you read Genesis 1 and 2, it doesn't specifically say when angels were created, but I believe they were created in, in, in those six days, that God created everything in those six days, and so they were created. And as you think about the angels and God creating the angels, the question you might ask yourself, well, why did God create the angels? Why did Jesus create those angels? I mean, it wasn't like he needed company. I'm lonely, I need some company, so I'll create the angels. It wasn't that he was lacking or limited. He didn't need their help to help create the universe or help sustain the universe. So why did did God create these assistants in redemption? Well, Jesus created them because he knew he would need their ministry while he was a man on earth. When he came to earth as a man, he knew he would need their ministry. He made the angels because he knew he would need them to minister to his human needs after his wilderness testing and, temp- and the temptations of Satan. In, Ma- in Matthew 4, we see Jesus enters the wilderness and Satan's there and he tempts him three times. And in verse 11, it says, the devil left him and the angels came and attended to him. See, I think Jesus created the angels because he knew he was going to need their, uh, their, their ministry there in Matthew 4. But I also believe he made the angels because he knew he would need their encouragement on the Mount of Olives before, the night before the cross. 
In Luke 22, starting at verse 42, it says, Jesus is, is in the Mount of Olives, and he's interacting with his heavenly Father, and he says, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. And an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. The night before the cross, as Jesus is interacting with his Father, as, as the reality of the suffering that he is going to face on our behalf for our sin is setting in, the angels come and give him the strength to face the next day, to encourage him. You see, Jesus created the angels to assist him in the great work of redemption. So we see there's assistance in redemption, but there's also the advance of redemption. And when we look at the creation account, we see it's logical. It's a logical creation account. And many people who have read the creation account have recognized how logical and purposeful the order of creation is. When, they, when they, they see a pattern, they see some, uh, so, some logic and some reason for, for the system of creation. And, and, and it leads us to ask the question, why did Jesus advance through the account of creation adhering to an order? Jesus didn't create the fish and then created the sea, did he? He created the sea first. Jesus didn't create the animals and then created their food, there was an order. Jesus used creation's advancement to show salvation's transformation. He used creation's advancement to show tr salvation's transformation. He didn't need to follow an order for physical reasons. He could have spoken, created everything in a moment. But he used creation's advancement to show salvation's transformation. And, and if you look and you see Jesus and his apostles use the creation theme to explain how God redeems. The apostle Paul said that any man who trusts in Jesus as his savior is what? A new creation, right? Second, Second Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. And I think Paul is saying, if you want to find out what salvation is like, go back to the creation account. And if we do, what do we learn? Well, we learn a few things. First of all, we learn creation and salvation start with the life-giving spirit. It starts with the life-giving spirit. Genesis 1-2, now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And in John 6, 63, it says, the Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of spirit and life. And so creation and salvation start with the life-giving spirit. But created life and, and, and salvation life also begins with light. In Genesis 1-3, it says, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And in 2 Corinthians 4-6, Paul said, For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. And so we see created life... And salvation life has light in the beginning. Light is, is there. 
but created light and salvation light also separates from darkness. The next verse in Genesis 1-4 says, God saw the light was good and he separated light from darkness. And 1 Thessalonians 5-5, it says, you are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to darkness. So just like in creation, God separated light, light and darkness when we experience true salvation, we're supposed to live in God's light and, and, and flee from the darkness of this world and the darkness of sin. We're supposed to separate from that. But also, creation and salvation both, both produce fruits. Genesis 1.11, it goes on and says, Then God said, Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. And we all know in Galatians 5.22, we read the fruit of the Spirit, these characteristics that God is producing in the hearts and lives of believers. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so in both creation and salvation, there is fruit that is produced And finally, creation and salvation move towards its climax. And that's humanity created in God's image. Humanity in the image of God. In Genesis 1.27, it says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And Paul says in Romans 8.28, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. And so we see in, in creation and salvation, humanity was created in the image of God, and we are supposed to become more and more like God in our, in our lives as we pursue him, as we, as we seek to live out the words that he has given us in Scripture, as the Holy Spirit enables us to follow his lead and obey his word People should see him in our lives. And so the Lord and his apostles use creation's order, the advancement to illustrate salvation's transformation. And so there's this advancement of redemption that, uh, that, that creation kind of points to our salvation, our own spiritual transformation when we trust Christ as our Savior. And not only do we have the advancement of redemption, but we also have the analogy of redemption. And, you know, analogy, you know, for, for those of us, we've studied analogy in English class, probably most of us. It's the act of comparing two things that are alike in some way. It's a writing tool that helps readers understand complicated information or maybe a common experience in a new way. And, and I was looking up some an analogies this week, and you've heard these before. You're as happy as a kid in a candy store, Right? That's an analogy to say, hey, it's a good day. You're really happy. Or another analogy is you're as cold as ice. It's not a really great analogy to, uh, to be shared with you if someone says that. That means that you're maybe a little uh, distant, a little uh, 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 maybe harsh. And I was on a website this week of English teachers submitting some analogies that their high school students have used in papers. And they came up with some great analogies. One analogy was this, uh, a student writes, he fell for her like his heart 
was a mob informant, and she was the East River. So that, that, that's a great analogy, or this is my favorite one of, of the analogies that I read. The plan was simple, like my brother-in-law George, but unlike George, this plan just might work. So uh, that's, that's a pretty harsh analogy there as well. But as we look at the analogy of redemption, we see it's an analogy between the first Adam and the last Adam, Jesus Christ. Genesis 1 and 2 introduce us to the individual, Adam, and Genesis 3 illustrates his insurrection, where he rebelled against God and sinned against him. And in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul calls Jesus the last Adam. And as we look at this analogy between the first Adam and the last Adam, we see this, one man's act of sinful rebellion negatively impacted humanity. But thankfully, we see another one. Another thing, one man's act of saving redemption positively impacted humanity. And Paul talks about this in Romans 5, 17, when he says, For if by the trespass of one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through, that, through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of one man the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of one man the many will be made righteous. Did you ever really think about the analogy of redemption? When we read the creation account and we see Adam and, and we get to chapter 3 in Genesis and we see his rebellion, God is already at work in our rescue from the last Adam. Adam's rebellion didn't take God by surprise, that God had the rescue plan planned out even before we were created. And as we read Genesis 3 and, and, and we see sin enter this world, we recognize that we are so in need of a Savior. And thankfully, the first Adam wasn't the last Adam, that God sent Jesus to die for our sins. The analogy of redemption, the first Adam versus the last Adam. And then there's the advantages of redemption. As we look at Genesis 1 and 2, we see some advantages of redemption. We see Sabbath and the Sabbath and, and marriage, that on the seventh day, God rested. And, and, and Jesus instituted the Sabbath, and he instituted marriage with the redemptive purpose of highlighting the advantages of salvation. And think about this. Sin produces exhaustion and estrangement. But redemption brings rest and relationship. The Sabbath rest points forward to enjoying the rest of salvation and the rest of eternity that, that we will experience. Sabbath, it's a pause to reconnect with our Savior, to remember that we're not the Savior, and to refocus our lives on the Savior. And so he's created the Sabbath, so that we can rest from our normal activities and connect with, with, our, with our Creator, connect with our Savior, 
to refocus our lives to, uh, on him. And then we see the marriage of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And this illustrates and explains this amazing relationship between Jesus and his church. And, and less, than, less than 24 hours ago, I stood on this stage here and officiated a wedding between Jennifer Rice and Tate Warfel. And in that wedding, uh, at the charge of the couple, I took them to Ephesians 5, where Paul talks about, about Christ's love for his church and, and how his love for his church is like the husband's love for a what, his wife. And I encouraged Tate as the husband to, to love his bride unconditionally like Christ loved his church and was willing to lay down his life for his church. And I encouraged Jennifer to, uh, to honor her husband, Tate, like the church is supposed to honor Christ, and we're supposed to follow his leading and, and submit ourselves to his, to, to his word and to his leading so that, uh, so that we respect him and honor him in the choices that we make. And as we look at the advantages of redemption, we see that God created the Sabbath and he created marriage, and he created them to kind of point us to our need for a Savior, and recognize we need a Savior. And he used those, those, those illustrations to, uh, to illustrate this whole plan of redemption. And so that's the advantages of redemption, which lead us to the apex of redemption. And that's heaven. That's heaven. And I couldn't help but sitting here, standing here as we're singing today and we're singing praises to God and, and, and as we're lifting our voices on Sunday morning, I, I can't help but every Sunday morning just to think, what, what's heaven really going to be like? As we spend eternity with our Savior, as we, as we have eternity to worship Him, I can't imagine what that's going to be like. It's going to be an amazing, amazing experience but the apex of redemption is heaven, and, and at least part of the eternal dwelling place of the redeemed was created in Genesis 1 and 2. In Genesis 1, 1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so, so there in the first two, two chapters of Genesis, we see God creates heavens. And in Matthew 25, verse 31, um, it says this, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put his sheep on the right and his goats on the left and the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. It's talking about heaven. He's talking about heaven there. Jesus created heaven before there was a need of redemption. Did you ever think about that? Jesus created heaven before Adam sinned. He created heaven before there was a need of redemption. Christ didn't create heaven once salvation was necessary, and he needed a place to put people he redeemed. He created all things, including the heavenly resting place of his redeemed, before there was any need of redemption. It's amazing to think about that as God was, as Jesus was creating the universe in this world, his plan of redemption was already in place 
And then there's the author of redemption. And as you think about authors, we probably all have a favorite author, someone that we really, really enjoy. And we probably enjoy them as our favorite author because they're, they have a, a reputation of crafting and communicating great stories, right? Think about your favorite author. When they, when they have a new book that comes out, you're probably excited to go and pick it up because they're so skilled in what they do. Skilled at telling a story, skilled at communicating a story, from, from Dr. Seuss to J.R.R. Tolkien. Great authors make the story come to life. And here we see that the greatest author actually created life. The author of redemption is Jesus. And in Colossians 1, 15 and 16, it says this, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. As we think about this author of redemption, Jesus, there's a few things that's communicated about Jesus. Creation communicates that Jesus is powerful. He willed into existence what's previously had no existence. He made everything we see and everything we don't see. And as you read through Genesis 1, we read, Let there be, and it was so. He spoke everything into existence. I don't know about you, but Zachary loves Legos. And I told you this, and I love Legos. But the thing I don't love about Zachary playing with Legos is he never builds things. He just tears them down. And I wish that I could speak and those sets would come together. Actually, his mother wishes that that would happen more than I do. Uh, But it doesn't happen like that. But think about Jesus. Jesus spoke and everything came into existence. Christ's supreme sovereignty is seen clearly in creation. He is powerful. But creation also communicates Jesus is wise. We see order. We see progress. We see development. We we see divisions and distinctions. We see regulation and rule. Nothing is accidental or coincidental. It's purposeful. It's always moving towards a goal. So we see Jesus' wisdom in creation. And finally, creation communicates that Jesus is good. And we've experienced that even today, probably on the way to church, as it's a beautiful day outside. Creation wasn't dull or boring, but it's full of creativity and variety. I mean, if you were here where I'm standing this morning and you would look out on all these seats, you would see God's creative variety. Not one of us really looks the same. We're all different. And can you imagine a world of all of us looking the same? That would be very difficult to try to find your husband or wife after church uh, or your kids after church. That that, that would be very, very difficult. But but we see that the goodness of Jesus in giving us such a diverse and varied and interesting world that we live in. We see the abundance of living creatures and the generosity of food. We see the beauty of the Garden of Eden in, in, in Genesis 2. We see the blessing of com- companionship in creating Eve in, in Genesis 2 as well. And, and everything in creation says that Jesus is gloriously good. He's gloriously good. So the creation account just doesn't tell us about our world. It tells us about our amazing Savior. the author of creation. And finally, we look at the application of redemption. 
And as we think about creation, we recognize the stage of redemption is complete. It's complete. The props are in place. The background is set. The music is playing. And the spotlight is on us, the created individuals. We're being invited to experience the redemption of our sins through the sacrifice of our Savior, Jesus. And it's up to us. It's up to us to make a decision because, you see, everyone responds to redemption with either rebellion or repentance. Everyone, either, everyone responds to redemption by either rebelling or repenting. Rebelling against God and his ways or repenting, turning from our sin, turning from, from our rebellious ways and returning to our Savior. His story is the greatest story ever told, the story of God's creation, man's rebellion, and Christ's redemption. And from the very beginning of his word, we see his redemptive plan already at work. And when I pause and think about that and think from the very beginning, Christ is communicating to you and to me, even though we're going to rebel against him, that he loves us so much. And he wants to rescue us from the penalty of our sins. You see, every one of us in this room this morning will either reject Christ or will receive him as our Savior. And the question very simply is, what have you done with Jesus? Have you rejected him? He was just a good teacher, nice guy, lived a long time ago. Or do you recognize him not only as the creator of the universe, but the savior of our lives? He died on the cross to pay the price for our sins. If you're here this morning and you have never recognize you're a sinner in need of a savior. Can I encourage you? It's the most important decision you'll ever make. And I'd love to talk to you afterwards. I'll be up front here, and I'd love to talk to you about how you can trust Jesus as your savior. But as we close this morning, just simply remember this. These, this, this first message over two weeks is, is really trying to illustrate this one last point. It's simply this. Creation is simply the stage built for the great act of redemption. Creation is simply the stage built for the great act of redemption. And, and my hope and Pastor Dick's hope as we've tried to walk you through a lot of information these last two weeks from the creation account is that when you, when you look at creation again, you just don't look at it as, as the specifics of how the world began, but you look, when you look at it, you see God's heart for you and for me his love for us, his desire to rescue us, and his plan of redemption starting from the very beginning. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love for us this morning. Thank you for the opportunity we have to look into your word and to, uh, to see your heart for us, even in creation accounts, that you loved us so much that uh, from the very beginning, you knew we were going to sin and rebel against you, and you had a rescue plan in mind, that you were going to send your son, Jesus Christ, to come to earth, to live a perfect life, and to die on the cross in our place to pay the price for our sin. And three days later, he would rise again from that grave, and he would conquer death, and we know that he is alive today in heaven representing us. 
And because of that great act of salvation, we can put our faith and trust in you. We can have a relationship with you. And Lord, I pray that, uh, I pray that each and every one of us in this room this morning will have made that very important decision in their life. put their faith in you. And Lord, for those who, those of us who have put our faith in you and, and have known you as our Savior for a long time, Lord, I pray that it would just not become old. Lord, as we were reminded of your love for us and, and your power and your greatness through the creation account, Lord, I pray that our lives may represent you well this week. As we walk out these doors as we go to our homes and our neighborhoods, to the places that we work, Lord, I pray that that would be your missionary you want us to be in those areas, that we would live lives that would bring you honor and glory and point people to you. Lord, thank you that even in creation we can see your plan of redemption. Thank you for loving us so much. In Jesus' name, amen. This good-looking group behind me, and I'll stand in front so I can say that statement, this good-looking group, uh, um, is our team that in, on Friday will be headed to Costa Rica for a week-long uh, missions trip. And uh, we just wanted to, uh, to pause uh, today in our service just to, to pray for, for this team as they go out and minister. And just wanted to kind of remind you of just some of the things that we're going to experience in the next, uh, we'll leave Friday the 13th and we'll return Friday the 20th. But some of the ministry opportunities that we're going to have as we go to Costa Rica is we're going to spend a day in, uh, we're going to split a day in between two orphanages and doing some ministry there in orphanages and in kids from infants through, uh, through toddlers and, and so we will have, uh, and I know some of our girls are really excited to, uh, to get in those orphanages and minister there. We're also going to have the opportunity to get into some schools. We're going to go into some elementary schools and some, and some middle and high schools and, and do some programs there in those high school, in, the, in elementary and high schools. And, and even with the older kids, work on, on our, helping them work on their English. And as we do that, and as we're working on English, we're going to have the opportunity to share about our story and our faith and, and, and the truth of God's word. And we're also going to be partnering with a, a, a church in a, on an Indian reservation. And uh, yeah, there's, Indian, there's an Indian reservation in, um, in Costa Rica. And so it's a church plant there, and we're going to partner with them. We're going to spend some days there uh, helping their ministry, and, and also we're going to help pour a floor in their church. And, and so that's one of the things that we're going to do there and, and just have a lot of different ministry opportunities. And so this morning, I just, I just want you to ask, as you look forward here and you see all these team members, would you make a commitment in these next two weeks just to pray for one of these individuals? Uh, we're excited for this opportunity, and, and we know this opportunity wouldn't be possible without your generous gifts for this trip. And we're looking forward to seeing not only what God will do through us, but I'm excited what God's going to do in our hearts. Uh, there's nothing like going on a missions trip, and I've taken many, many students on missions trips and getting away from, uh, from the everyday thing, and, and, and I've seen God work in their hearts and, 
and, and develop passions and give them interests that they carry through the rest of their lives. So I just encourage you to be praying for us. Pray for safety as we travel. Pray for health as we're there. Pray for our team that we be unified. And, and uh, on the 22nd of June, uh, we'll give you an update of how everything went that Sunday morning, as well as the Angola trip. But pray with me for this team as we go on Friday. Father, thank you for these uh, students who have followed your direction and leading and in, in being a part of this team going to Costa Rica. For many, this is their first experience out of the country uh, ministering, and, and, and for many, this is a step out of the comfort, their comfort zone. And Lord, I pray that, that, that you might use this trip just in a, in a positive way, not only to, to work through us as we minister to those in Costa Rica, and we pray that you'd work in their hearts and we'd see people come to know you and put their faith and trust in you. But Lord, we pray you'd work in our hearts, that you'd draw us closer to yourself, that you'd speak to our hearts and, 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 uh, and help us to, to, to live our lives and, and to be committed to living our lives to honor you. Lord, I pray that uh, as we have all these ministry opportunities, Lord, I pray that, uh, that you would just help us to lift up your name. Give us the boldness that we need. Help us uh, to be able to communicate even when there's the language barrier. I pray you be with our translators as they communicate for us. And, and even as we have opportunity to speak English and, and, and work with, with students in their English, Lord, I pray that you would help us to make the most of the opportunities you give us to make much of you. And Lord, I just pray that, uh, uh, that you would just give us a great trip. Again, thank you for each and every one here who has been praying for us, who has given towards this trip, who has made this trip possible. And Lord, we pray that uh, as we come back on the 22nd of June, that we'd have lots of positive things to share about how you've worked in the hearts of others and in our hearts in this week in Costa Rica. Thank you for this opportunity, Jesus. Help us uh, to do our best to represent you well. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, we would appreciate your prayers as we go, and uh, thank you so much. Um, remember, as we talked about this morning, creation is just the stage for God's final act of redemption. And that's why we're going to Costa Rica, to share with them who maybe has never heard about God's love for them and how they could have a relationship with Jesus. And so as we go this week, have a great week. And just remember that no matter where you go, whether it's Costa Rica or your job, you have opportunities to represent Jesus. And I pray you'd represent him well. Have a great week. Thanks for coming this morning.